morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you to this opportunity of getting into the Word of God this morning. You know, as we've gone to the Lord in prayer just a little bit ago and we saw many needs represented on the screen... We had many different updates of personal individuals. We had a number of prayer request cards filled out and many different situations, many family lives impacted as a result of some physical needs, hospitalizations, tests. We saw accidents taking place. We saw many different situations. And what we see is this. There are many needs, many challenges that we face personally. And then on top of that, as we extend outwards through our family, through maybe our church family, through our area and community and and nationwide and across the world, we see challenge after challenge after challenge. Now, last week, the theme of of what we looked at was two simple words, God cares. Well, we're going to get a little more wordy today because we're going with three words. We opened you with the song this morning in the service, more than enough. God is more than enough for you, for me, for the needs that we have and face. I want to encourage you with that this morning. So I invite you to turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. 2 Kings, chapter 4. As we take a look at how in the world do we move from trials and hardships and challenges to trusting in God. How do we get to that point of understanding that God truly is more than enough? Let's take a look at verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Remember, Elisha was one of the prophets. We've got Elijah and Elisha, both men of God, used of God, doing mighty miracles of God. So here is a woman crying out to the prophet, to the man of God, and she said, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. So a first thought, a first principle for us as we take a look at this passage and we take a look at how in the world we we move to trusting in God and finding out that he's more than enough. First thought is this, we've got to understand the reality of difficulties. Now, this is one of those things we don't like the aspect of it. Understand the reality of difficulties. In other words, we're going to have them. Boy, don't you just feel blessed now. I mean, that's not necessary. Check, check, there we go. That's not necessarily the time where we just shout, Hey, man, brother, preach it. Send me some more trials. That's not the place where we really get loud and boisterous and amen. 
That's typically the, the part where we go, oh. We ugh and we groan and we... All of those things. What we're seeing is the reality of difficulties is real. You and I will face hardships, trials, challenges, and struggles. If you've ever had a hardship, trial, challenge, or struggle in your life, give a big, loud amen. Yeah, you weren't too enthusiastic about that. Let's see if we can say something else. (laughs) No doubt you've experienced something in your life. You've had difficulties, hardships, challenges. The fact of the matter is, you and I have, more than likely, many of us at this point are, and the reality is that many will, no doubt in the future, continue to face difficulty, hardship, trial, and challenges. James in Chapter 1 said, consider it pure joy when you face hardships of many kinds. It's another one of those scriptures we don't like reading and we sure don't like amening. Not only did he say you will face hardships, you will face trials, he said count it joy. We don't like to hear that. We would rather not face hardships trials and difficulties and struggles. James says you will. James says count it joy. There can still be some positive things even in the midst of this. And from verse 1, we're seeing the reality is difficulties will come. Now, I'm sure praising and, and honoring and counting it joy was not this widow's first thought. In this scripture text... From the Word of God, what we see is, here is a widow. She had just lost her husband. Now, in the loss of life, whether it's a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a a child, close friend or family member, loss hurts. True? When we lose a loved one, it hurts. But particularly in the case of a spouse, a a husband and wife together. And so she lost her husband. She's in the midst of mourning and grieving. Oh, but that's not it. That's not all. This, This is like one of those infomercials that you don't want them to say, that's not all. She lost her husband, but that's not all. Her husband owed a lot of money. So on top of the emotional and and family loss of losing a spouse, compound it with financial difficulty, financial struggles, and stress. She lost her husband. Her husband owed a lot of money. But wait, there's more. Not only did her husband owe a lot of money, but her husband's creditor was on the way to collect. 
How many of you think it's maybe not the greatest of times in the loss of a loved one, particularly in the loss of a spouse as, as she's mourning and not sure exactly how long of a time is taking place in here, but she is still mourning and grieving the loss of a husband. Her husband owed money, and now the creditor's coming for payment. Unfortunately, but wait, there's more. Not only did she lose her spouse, not only did her husband then have this debt, not only was the creditor on his way to collect the debt, verse 1 says, his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. That was going to be the payment for the debt. So you've lost your husband you're grieving emotionally, facing financial challenges. And the result of facing the financial challenges, the creditor says, I'm going to come take your boys. They'll be my slaves. So she would lose her husband, lose her boys, and basically have no money. Maybe some of you kind of feel like that. Maybe it's not those exact same things, but maybe you feel as if it's, but wait, there's more, and but wait, there's, there's more, and there's more, and there's more. And it seems like every day, or every week, or every month, there's just another slice of news. And, and it, and it kind of it keeps hitting and, and hitting hard to where you feel, what, what more can I face? You say, I get it. I know we're going to face some hardships and difficulties and trials and challenges, but why another one and, and why another wave and, and why another set of them? Maybe that's how you feel right about now. It feels like life's going from bad to worse as more and more waves of challenges just wash over us. Understand when we come to Christ, it doesn't mean our hardships and our trials magically melt away. Wouldn't you wish that to be the case? That we come to God and anything that we had an issue with before just disappears. And life is perfect and smooth sailing. Boy, we want that. What we see from our text, what we see from Scripture, unfortunately, that's not the case. Understand the reality of difficulties. You and I will face them. We'll probably face a bunch of different kinds of them. And in some cases, we'll face a number of them kind of piled on top of one another. We don't necessarily have the opportunity of picking and choosing which ones and when we have them. We would rather one tiny little one over here and, and one tiny little one over here. Sometimes it feels as if it's just piled up upon us. That's really what this widow felt like. Lost her husband, in debt, creditors on his way. Oh, by the way, he's coming to take my boys. So secondly, second principle for this morning is to take inventory of what you have. Verse 2, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? He says, what do you have? She answered, 
Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. She says, I've got nothing except for this dumpy, tiny little jar of olive oil. I mean, that's it. I have nothing to my name outside of this. Nothing. Many times we overlook some of what we already have or overlook some of what God's already blessed us with. Moses, as God was leading him and and calling him to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, he said, what do I have? I'm not sure that I can even speak and, and all I have is this stick. And God said, throw it down. God did mighty miracles with that stick, with that staff. God used what he had. David, David had a little slingshot. David had some smooth stones. That certainly didn't seem enough to conquer the giant Goliath. That's what he had. The disciples in the New Testament, thousands of people were here and they needed something to eat. And Jesus said, what do you got? Not much, Jesus. I think we, uh, we found some little boy. I was, I was about ready to steal his Happy Meal. Just a, a few small fish and a couple small loaves of bread. I mean, that's it. Other than that, we've got nothing. It might be what we feel like. God, outside of just this and this and this, I mean, there's not much of anything. God, I've got nothing. What is it that we do have? What is it that God has blessed us with? God can make something out of nothing. God can make something out of little. Have the faith in God to take what little we do have, what little resources, what little abilities, what little whatever, and take and use that for His honor and use that for His glory. Sometimes we say, but I don't have Anything that God would want to be able to use me for him. We say, certainly God couldn't use me. We've got God. He's creator and and restorer and provider and healer. One of those common phrases you've probably said or shared or maybe heard over the years. When you realize that Jesus is all you've got, you realize that Jesus is all you need. Many times we're looking around and we're saying, what do I have? I don't have millions of dollars in my bank account. I don't have the connections to this person or that person. God, I don't know how to face all that I've got to face. Take inventory of what you do have and certainly understand that that begins with that relationship, with that walk with God. God, who he is in our hearts and in our lives. Cry out to God, the one that's created and fashioned and formed us. Make known our requests. God, here I am. Here's what's going on. Here's what I've got. It's basically nothing, God, but I got a little bit of something. Now what? We understand the reality of difficulties. We take inventory of what we have. Thirdly, realize that God often uses others to help. 
Verses 3 and 4. Here's Elisha, the prophet, and here's what he said. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. This is one of those mighty and powerful and incredible miracles. Did you catch this? Sometimes we think or we feel as if we've got to do everything ourselves. We've got to have all the resources. We've got to have all the connections. We've got to know everybody who's going to do everything and take every step in what we need. And sometimes God is simply saying, there are some other individuals who can help. Understand, realize, God often uses others. The prophet instructed the woman to ask her neighbors for empty jars. Imagine that scene. Her husband dies. The creditor's coming. He's on his way to take the boys. And she goes door to door asking for empty jars. She's not the door-to-door salesman. She doesn't want to sell you anything. She just wants all your empties. Can I go looking in your recycling bin? All your empty jars, all the stuff that you think are worth less, can I have all your nothings? She goes door to door to door, person to person to person. You want my what? I'm not giving you any of my jars of oil, but I'll give you my empty jar. Yeah, you can have, you can borrow this empty jar. God often will kind of take what we have, sometimes though it's little, sometimes though it's meager, and partner with what others have, and God can put them together for the wisdom and provision and guidance and direction to help in the many situations that we face. She had a very simple and small jar of oil. It, it doesn't mention how small, but she, she basically felt like it was nothing. She, she barely even recognized that she had that. Small jar of oil. And she goes around to find as many other jars, empty jars, as she can. She's asking basically for nothing. Doesn't that sound like a recipe for success? A little bitty jar of something and a whole bunch of nothing. God says, go do that. And many other individuals were used as a part of this process, as a part of this miracle. Now, we would, we would love for the easiest case, easiest scenario possible to take place, right? Right? What this woman probably wanted is for Elisha to say, oh, by the way, let me take out my checkbook and, and pay off everything when that creditor and the bill comes due. That's many times what we want today, too. We're going to go out to our mailbox, and we're going to open it up, and we've got publishers, clearinghouse, and we win. It's not just something to send in, but we want them to show up at our door and say, hey, you won. We want the big and mighty miracle, and God can do that. 
Sometimes God can and even chooses to use other individuals little by little to help us in the situations that we face. The woman wasn't going asking for, hey, here's my bill, here's my debt, what can you pay? She simply said, you got something that's empty. I want what's empty. And it points us to the power and the miracle of God. I encourage us to allow other people to be a part of what God might want to do in our lives and in our situations. Final thought this morning. As we try to figure out this aspect of how in the world can God be more than enough? Finally, we've got to follow our faith with obedience. Verses 5, 6, and 7 close out our story. She left him, the prophet, and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Isn't that a, just a, a powerful touch from God? If there would have been five more jars of oil, that oil would have kept flowing. Ten more jars, jars of oil would have kept flowing. It filled up everything she had, all the empty vessels, all the empty jars. And when there was nothing else, God's word says, the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, the end result of this is pretty mighty. It's pretty powerful. God rescued and saved the day. But it took some faith and it took some obedience to see that take place. Elisha the prophet, Elisha the man of God, had a rather detailed plan. Ask for a bunch of empty jars. Begin pouring what little you have into those empty jars. Then sell it, take that money, pay your debts, and live on what's left. That seems so simple. We read through the word of God and we say, man, that's awesome. I would so do that. And then sometimes we're confronted with that opportunity of, of taking that step of faith and taking that step of obedience to God. And sometimes we, we struggle and we, we hesitate. No doubt the widow here understood what the plan was, but it involves more than just understanding God's plan. No doubt she had some faith. She had some trust in God and in the man of God, believing that God would do something, and faith is good. So understanding and faith are good, but she needed to take that step of faith, launching into obedience. Not just trusting in it, but then going out, finding those empty jars, pouring the oil into the empty jars, selling the oil, paying the debt, living on what was left. Obedience is required. Yes, taking that step of faith and obeying what God shows, what God speaks, what, what God moves upon our hearts and upon our lives. 
We say it many times. We see it in the word of God and we see the phrase that God's ways are not like our ways. And so sometimes when God's ways are not like our ways, we struggle with doing things God's way. And we can hesitate to to take that step of faith. We can hesitate to take that step of obedience to do what God's calling us to do. You ever felt or sensed God's nudge calling you to do something that didn't really make sense but you to kind of take that step of faith and trust and obedience. Sometimes that's what God calls us to do. In this particular case with this widow and in many cases with you and I, God calls us to take a step of faith and trust and obedience. It didn't seem to make sense. Her husband died. She owes a lot of money and she's just supposed to go and look for a bunch of empty jars. Might not have been the approach we wished that we would hear. But God's instructions through the man of God were those. She followed through. Let us trust him even when sometimes his ways don't make sense. Now she ended up with as much provision as the faith and the seeking after provided with her and her sons as they went door to door, all those empty jars that came, every single one were filled. Can you imagine the excitement that would have been in that room? Starting with just a a small jar, and maybe their home looks something like our screen with all of those jars and pots. Just I I can imagine the house, what, what meager little house she had, just filled to the full and overflowing taking this tiny little jar and maybe it it takes a while for that to fill, 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 fill and you get one filled up and it it looks like it's going to stop and you get to the next jar and the next jar and the next jar and this tiny jar just filled up the massive jar and a second and a third and a fourth. I mean, can you imagine the, the excitement and the, the faith just continuing to rise up within them as they see what God does? Not only do they understand the plan, not only do they have faith in this plan, God, you can, but I so believe that you can, I'm going to take the step of faith and then obey what you've said. Let's be sensitive to God's will, sensitive to God's voice in prayer, in his word, that we would know what God desires and that we would obey. Other individuals throughout the word of God needed to not just trust and believe, but put some steps to their faith. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She went and she said, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be healed. Well, she sensed and thought and believed that, but she went and touched, and she was. In the Old Testament, with another prophet, Naaman. Naaman had leprosy, and he came to the prophet. He said, go wash in the Jordan seven times. He got kind of mad and upset. Certainly, there's better water, cleaner water. He went and did, dipped in the Jordan seven times, And his body, his skin was clean and healthy. Philippians chapter 419 says, 
my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. God is able to meet needs. God is able to provide what it is that you and I are lacking. God is able to be more than enough. Even when sometimes we start out with nothing or practically nothing. God can step in. God can intervene into your life, into your situation. This wasn't just a, just a barely scraped by kind of miracle. I'm sure she would have taken that. But this wasn't just barely scraped by. This wasn't put the creditor on hold till next week and buy some more time. This wasn't just barely pay off her debt so she could keep her sons. No. God, through his miracle, was more than enough. Because as we saw, not only did she have enough to pay off her debt, keep her sons, but the prophet said, then you can live off what is left. Wow. That's a God who doesn't just scrape by, a God who provides more than enough. That's the thing with God. God is always surprising. How is God more than enough? Understand the reality of difficulties. You and I, unfortunately, will have them, probably a bunch of them over our lifetime. But take inventory of what we do have. It might be little, it might be meager, but remember who God is and how he has promised to be with us. Realize that many times God will use others to help. Allow them to. And then finally, follow our faith with steps of obedience to God's plan. 